Time's Ours is brought to you by Game Time, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know that Chiefs ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? Game Time tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the Game Time app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. I downloaded Game Time for myself and was able to find a couple of deals on some concerts in my area that I was actually planning on going to, forgot to try to get the tickets whenever they actually dropped, so now I'm just waiting it out, and then closer to the event, I'm going to pop open Game Time again and see if I can't save up to 60% off those prices. Plus, you can see these views from your seat to see what your seat will be showing you in that moment. It's hard to explain because this is a podcast, but you can see it for yourself if you go download Game Time. So head to the App Store or Play Store right now to download Game Time and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. All right, everybody working up. Everybody's working. With that time, Jersey. You know that a game has gone one way or another whenever you hear, as we all did, whenever you hear as a game is wrapped up, Harrison Butker is about to come to the podium. That was the moment that I think we all had 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 the moment to summarize our feelings, to look across for some of us the field at Arrowhead Stadium, for some of us the press box, for some of us the radio studio. In that moment, star kicker Harrison Butker coming through clutch <laughs> was when I knew that I was living in a twilight zone of sorts because Matt Moore, he did, I would say he did his best Kirk Cousins impression, but that's not fair to Matt Moore. No, it's not. The Chiefs, the Chiefs stop their home losing streak. Matt Moore outplays Kirk Cousins. The Chiefs outcoach the Vikings. Harrison Butker takes everybody to buttkicker.com, and the Chiefs beat the Vikings at home. You guys were both there to see it. This is Time's Ours, by the way. I'm Josh Briscoe. You're about to hear the voice of Nate Taylor. After that, you'll hear Seth Kaiser. That's how this show generally goes. Yeah, and look, you know, for Harrison Bucker, kickers need love too, baby. I see what you're doing out there. Uh, <laughs> like, the the bigger surprise to me was like, Deion Sanders called Harrison Bucker. You ball, Harrison you Bucker get the day, call. Baby. Like, yo, shout out to the kicker, man. Uh, by the way, like, everybody in the locker room last night was just like, Harrison, we love you, dog. Like you, you the you the real one. From Tyreek Hill to Tyron Matthew to Chris Jones, everyone loves Harrison Bucker, the man who made two field goals in the final minutes, including the game winner on a forty-four yarder that I think was partially blocked, um, based on everyone I talked to and looking at the film. But yeah, as I wrote the Athletic in his rare post-game news conference, what Harrison <laughs> Bucker is out here shouting out the defense. So who saw that coming? Seth, you saw it in person. I did see it in person, and I am emotionally and physically drained. But listen it was to this man's it. voice. Listen to this man's voice. He gave he like 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 he gave, he put it all out there on the stands. You know, he put it I, all out there on the stands. My my wife is like barely speaking to me because she's still that, embarrassed with oh. how I was acting. And I look, <laughs> I, I just want to say, obviously, you know, I. I'm a, I'm an analyst, whatever. I'm supposed to be objective as much as possible. But I can now say more surely than ever, I am never, ever, ever leaving fanhood behind. Because days like yesterday are just like, it's totally worth it. I was acting like a complete hooligan. That's right, hooligan. <laughs> I traveled back in time to when hooligan was part of the nomenclature. And I just, it was awesome. Like, I mean... I cannot begin to describe what Arrowhead was like. And oddly enough, the fact that, you know, a bunch of my brethren from Minnesota <laughs> drove down and like, I mean, what, what, what would you say, Nate? Cause like, so the side that you were facing had way more Vikings fans, you know, the visitor mm -hmm, side, yes. but it like that side had a ton. Yeah. It, it was very clear that, um, a large segment of season ticket holders, or yeah. just people who had bought the tickets when the schedule came out, thinking, "Hey, I'm going to see Patrick Mahomes in the in the middle of the season on a you know hopefully a, a nice day in early November." All those people were like, "Well, I can make a boatload of money if I sell these bad boys <laughs> yeah. on the secondary market because Viking mm -hmm. fans yeah. want to be behind the Viking sideline." And in pregame yeah. warmups, it was just like 
if you didn't know where you were, where you were standing in this here country, yes. you would have thought this game was being played in a in a in a state north to where we are uh, in Kansas City. Absolutely, it was like especially like you said during warmups because you know most Chiefs fans they take their time getting in because they're tailgating and stuff. But like when I because I got in there early so that you know we could go down to the field. My sister wanted to take a picture of Patrick Mahomes and she got like right there. I don't know who she elbowed aside. Yeah, I saw that picture like, and I thought the same. Like, who did your sister shank? <laughs> yeah, I actually need to I need to talk to Pat about the way he's looking at my sister. To be perfectly, I'm kidding. Anyway, so. Th- <laughs> You better I don't be kidding. Know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's so, perfect. No, I, I don't. Yeah, he is perfect. I know. So whatever. But like, so she harmed people to get down there. I kind of stayed back. But it was like all Vikings fans. I mean, in the upper deck, the lower deck. And I got real nervous. Now, on my side of the field, Nate, you probably could have seen from the press box. On the side I was on, there was a lot more Chiefs fans than Vikings fans. Mm-hmm. It was more of not quite a normal ratio still, but like probably 90-10. Yeah, um, yeah, but uh, throughout the stadium, I bet it was seventy five twenty five. I don't know. It, it would from the from the press box. You know, you can see just about each you know sort of section in the stadium, uh, except for the one that you're you know directly sort of above, um, which is near the Chiefs line. It, it looked at at various points during the game broadcast on uh, on Fox and with just my own eyes. It looked I, as I wrote, it looked closer to fifty fifty than any game that I can really remember. In recent oh, yeah. in recent history, and um, it, the the two sections where you know if it's like an SEC game, you're like, well, I guess we gotta sell somebody's tickets to the other school. Um, <laughs> those sections were you know the 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 lower bowl right behind the Vikings bench, and yeah. then in the third row or third you know sort of third tier, kind of the nosebleed sections, every man for themselves section, I like to call it. Uh, a lot of that was dominated yeah. by Vikings fans. So they, they weren't in the club and they weren't in the section where, you know, you're you're next to the Chiefs on the sidelines. But they were pretty – it was a pretty strong contingent of fans to the point where it was very yes. noticeable. And it sort of played a role in the, in the game yeah. that I just was not prepared for where at the eight-minute mark I sort of wrote down as it was happening. Eight minutes ago, it's a three-point score a three point game. Um, all of a sudden, Viking fans during a timeout do their, you know – uh, I think sort of mesmerizing skull, skull chant, skull chant. Like, yeah. like when 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 that thing gets going, it's pretty mesmerizing to look at. And then Chiefs fans sort of respond like we're in the SEC or something, where it's just like, oh, oh, yeah. oh, yes. oh, hell no, yeah, uh, 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 you get that chant going. Hey, hey, you over there, start moving your right arm yeah. up and down until start we- you. And so it it was it was. I love that you brought up college. Because it yeah. had that kind of atmosphere. It was like, because you know what? 75-25, I'm probably being generous. Because they were loud. Yeah. They they were loud on some steps. And so what was cool was that, so they were loud. And like so the, the, the Vikings defense seemed to start noticing how many of their fans were there. So they're like leading them in school chants. And it's getting pretty out of hand. And so then the Chiefs fans, it really was like a, like you said, it's like a, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I thought I had nothing left to scream, but I have only yet begun to scream. <laughs> and so it was like, I mean, seriously, the fourth quarter, and this is where it gets crazy. Like, despite the number, the sheer volume of Vikings fans, the fourth quarter, the late in the fourth, that is, like the two-minute warning and the play right after, is as loud as I've heard Arrowhead. Like, it was just because literally everyone who was there, because I kind of looked around as the plays getting ready, Everyone was screaming. And, you know, oftentimes you got like a bunch of people that are like, I'm just going to watch the game. And I'm like, how dare you, sir? How dare you? And But I mean, everyone was screaming. The sweet old lady a couple seats down from me was hollering. It was awesome. And I guess, I mean, you, you gave us a, a taste there. But like whenever you have, again, I, re- I really like the college atmosphere call also because it really did sort of feel like uh, – like a, a you know Florida Miami game or something or a one of, you know, where you got you've got Gator chomps and then yeah, you have the, uh-huh. the response 
from the yes. other team because, because those campuses are, you know, an hour and a half apart or whatever. I don't know if that's actually true for Miami and Gainesville, but whatever. Give me this. They're in the same state. More, all Florida. It's all Florida to me. Um, but <laughs> you, you have that kind of in-state rivalry kind of thing to see that show up. I, I mean, I'm not a neutral observer. Like, I am rooting for the Chiefs to win these football games, but I wasn't there and I saw it on TV. And I'm like, oh, yeah, like, that's kind of disrespectful and also pretty cool. Like, I like a little sports a- disrespect. Yeah, it was it was impressive what they did. I mean, yeah, I didn't realize just how many there were until the like the school chants started in the fourth quarter. Yeah. I was like, oh my god, these guys are everywhere. And but it was cool, like you said that that rivalry going back and forth. You could have done like you know that old high school. You know, we've got spirit. Yes, we do. We got spirit. How about you? We could have done that. Like I think had I tried to start that, I probably would have gotten beat up by like Chiefs fans just for like even trying that. <laughs> And I would have deserved it, to be honest. But it was very, I mean, it was super back and forth. And for the record, every Vikings fan that I talked to was super nice. Like, everyone was having fun with it and joking around. The The Vikings fans in my section kept chanting, let's go, Cole quit, when either of the Cole quits were punting. <laughs> that's pretty good. Because they're like, that's one thing we all agree on, guys. Let's just cheer on the Cole quits today. And so it was a lot of fun. But it was it was a super intense game. Like, I normally try to maintain my composure and I did not, Um, which again is why my wife, like the whole drive back, she's like, huh? You all right. I'm like, yeah, you know, I've, I left a piece of myself at Arrowhead, but it was, it was so much fun. And it also featured a top five Arrowhead moment for me um, with, which Chris Jones brought in, but I know we're going to talk about Chris Jones later, but I mean, top five Arrowhead moment. Thanks to that guy. Uh, Gainesville to Miami is a five-hour drive, so oh, not my. See, just, I knew just a bit, just up. a bit of a Don't, miscalculation there. Just yeah, a I, bit outside. <laughs> I at least knew I was wrong enough to Google it like that. You know, that's half the battle, right? <laughs> yeah. You said it was Nate, such authority. Don't Google it. Yeah, I mean, I knew I was wrong. It's listen, man. It's like every time I correct Nate, whenever he says a name like ten percent wrong, I just say it so nobody tweets us about it. Right. It's better that everyone knows that we know that we're an idiot sometimes. <laughs> it, it happens to the best of us, and also to me. Uh, Nate, you were keeping your composure in the press box, probably to some extent. I have no idea. Yeah, I, I, mean, um, I kept you, a, I kept a pretty professional, although there's on there's, a Seth scale, you yeah. were you were basically at a funeral. Oh yeah, yeah you were chill. Right, I'm right, sure. Right, right. Although, although I will say this, I I don't uh, the, I guess the one time where I was like you know trending towards towards a fan, and this is again, it's just a fan. It, uh, Coach Zimmer, l- l- let's have a chat. It's it's the two minute <laughs> warning. You have to tell Kirk Cousins to complete a pass or just take the sack. Yeah. An incompletion is the literal dumbest thing that can happen on the play. You've given <laughs> the Chiefs. <laughs> 38 to 40 more seconds of stupidity, and yes, you deserve to lose at that moment. And so it, it was like they, they ran the play before where like they tried to get the screen pass to Irv Smith Jr. and like that didn't work. But like, hey, at least you like caught the ball and like maybe it forces Andy Reid to call a timeout. But like I was screaming on the punt before you know Coquit botched the punt, where it's just like, okay, the Vikings deserve to lose now. They just deserve to lose. Like, yeah. like Kirk Cousins yeah. is paid. 84 guaranteed million dollars to understand that if it ain't there, young fella, eat the football. Just eat it. Like Alex Smith used to do that to a degree that I really admire, where it's like, if it ain't there, the best thing to do is just just go down. Like, you know, whether it's Tom Brady or Alex Smith, like Kirk Cousins, like, just just eat the football, dog. Ain't y'all not okay, <laughs> then y'all deserve to lose. Yeah, throw it at Dalvin Cook's yeah. feet. Cause that's what they want you to do, sir. Uh, so yeah, at that yes. point I got very heated. And then after the game, I was like, Yeah, they deserve to lose. Cause like they didn't they didn't manage the the last five minutes of that game well at all. And then they no. and then they sort of showed their hand way too soon, which is what I asked Matt Moore after the game. I was like, so like Third, third down, you knew it was a zero pressure, right? Like, and then I rewatched the yeah. tape, and he clearly recognized it. Did the single, did the signal to Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill runs a, you know, a, a little shallow, uh, shallow, excuse me, crossing route, and then goes upfield for more yards. I'm like, yeah, they they deserve to lose. They 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 played poorly, whereas the Chiefs played about as well as you could ask them to do, given all the injuries coming from behind. You know, understanding that Matt Moore. Uh, just did his job really well. Even when like they had miscommunication on the offensive line, he was still able to be like, you know what? 
I'm going to try to protect the football at all costs. And even when they make me fumble, <laughs> I got my teammate and Damian Williams to recover the fumble, which is one of those plays that may get lost in the shuffle. But like, hey, Harrison Bucker, yes. Harrison Bucker doesn't get a chance if Damian Williams is not great on his 91-yard run and is also not yep. aware enough to know, oh, my God, I have to pick up this football or we, or we <laughs> yes. won't win. Um, so, yeah, it was it was a fun day because the weather sort of helped out. Uh, both teams played well up until about that five-minute mark, and the Chiefs made all the right decisions and the Vikings made all the wrong ones, and that sort of equates to a, to a pivotal win, I think, moving forward because uh the you know as i wrote in my story like tyree kill was at least aware enough to acknowledge that like whoo fellas we needed this win like (laughs) we didn't win today (laughs) so he he took a big sigh release and was like yeah we need we need this win we need this we needed this one badly um so yeah just a, a really fun day with the understanding that, like, hey, they 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 played about as well as you could have asked them to play, and now Andy Reid can get his team to refocus themselves for the second half of the season. Because if if they lose that game yesterday, does the locker room start to shift in a negative direction where all of a sudden guys aren't bonded together, or there isn't sort of this moving, you know, all all men moving in one direction, or everybody looking at Patrick Mahomes like. Dear, dear, dear God, please come back. Like, like, just save all of us. Like, that would have been the only thing keeping them from sort of losing it. Where I've seen before, a locker room can sort of dismantle very quickly if you have a bad slide and no one sort of helps themselves the way that they're supposed to. And and so it was just like it was just very good to, and I think somewhat surprising, but also understandable. Where it's like. This is the one day that I could actually look at all the guys and know that, like, you're not just feeding me a cliche. Like, yes, the defense absolutely did what it had to do to give these special teams a chance. And the offense did just enough for the special teams to be special. And it was complimentary football at its best. And um, for once this year, they really did it uh, as well as you could ask them to do. And one thing that jumped out to me is I was obviously the one in the radio studio. So I'm watching this on TV and I'm, then I'm taking calls and reading tweets from people for the next three hours after the game ends and everything. And, and this, this did feel like from a, a fan's perspective, it felt like there was a significant sigh of relief, which again, I'm sure they was being felt in the locker room as all uh, as well, but also, it was there was a quote from Tyron Matthew that was something to the extent of this is how most football games go. Yes. Where there were messes that the Chiefs put out there. Like Matt Moore had the ball on the ground a couple of times and I I can't I'm I'm now trying to remember back if I, one of them was just there's a play that was blown dead and there were a, a handful of of mistakes made whenever you've got Matt Moore in there also with some excellent plays. You've got a couple of plays with 10 guys on the field defensively and then you burn a timeout and you get a 12 men pin you, you see the places where this team was not perfect and you see the reason this game was not a blowout even with lots of good stuff from both sides of the ball but if you go back you can go back a long ways before you get to one of the games that that felt like a lot of the games last year did Mm-hmm. Last week was obviously the Packers game, no Mahomes. Before that against the Broncos, that was a blowout, but there was no Mahomes out there, and, and everyone was everyone's heart was exploding out of their chest because we didn't know about Patrick Mahomes. Week before that, tough game against Texans, lost. Before that, tough game against the Colts, lost. Right. Before that, crazy game against the Lions, not a blowout, not one of those kick your feet up halfway through. Ravens <laughs> before that, still stressful. Before that against the Raiders, and then the week before that against the Jags, which also that Jags game was the last time everyone's been healthy for the Chiefs yeah. offensively. Yeah. You you see, this has been a stressful season so far for the Chiefs, and to be six and three with Matt Moore winning that game. I mean, you know, complimentary football, obviously, but as the quarterback, as opposed to being five and four at this at this point, it does feel like a pretty sizable swing in terms of confidence, in terms of placement in a wild AFC, in terms of placement of an AFC West that had an uptick this weekend. Yeah. It, it, it does feel as important as a backup quarterback led game in the middle of the season can be. Yeah, I feel like the. I feel like Andy Reid, um, you know, he doesn't try to say a ton to us, um, win or lose. And and so he's always trying to get the guys to think forward and also, like, not get too up and not get too down. But, like, even he, like, let out more emotion than I think he has all season just because he knows the importance of, man, you know, 6-3 and three still puts us in line for maybe uh, one of the top seeds in the AFC. It still gets me 
to get the guys to focus moving forward. And, you know, one thing that may approach next week is, hey, my superstar quarterback MVP, like, you know, maybe we maybe we held the ship as tightly as we could before we get, you know, the guy that's supposed to really get us to where we're trying to go from a destination standpoint with Patrick Mahomes. So um, there, there's a there's a real optimism in the locker room and with the team. And no one will say it sort of directly, but in talking to guys and, and sort of one-on-one standpoints or just like getting a sense or a feel for what everyone else in the sort of locker room outside of sort of the players themselves are thinking is that there's real optimism now that, hey, maybe – Maybe, you know, this time Monday next week, we're talking about Patrick Mahomes's you know, maybe heroic return to the starting lineup coming back from that dislocated uh, kneecap injury because the dude was literally celebrating as if he wasn't hurt after yeah. Harrison Bucker made, yeah. a, made his game-winning 44-yard field goal. So, uh, I, it, it is a – I think if we look back in January and the team is as healthy and as capable as they can be – uh, this game is really one of the few that should not be forgotten in the course of a 16-game season where I really do think it can be a pivotal swing to like, okay, everybody did their job when Patrick Mahomes is out. He got another week to maybe get himself right, and then maybe the team became more dominant or more of a contender that we sort of expected when we got to sort of December after all this crazy madness in October and November. We'll dig into the specifics of both sides of the ball, but Seth, on that kind of big picture look, does this do anything for you in terms of when Mahomes could or would return? Does this does this move the needle in terms of where the season's going at this point? Uh, it, it was a really big win. I mean, when you think about it in terms of what they've done without Mahomes, because they were without him for most of the Denver game, yeah. and it was a close game when he left. Really, in all reality, they're they're two and one yeah. without Mahomes, mm-hmm. and one of those one of those games was against a division rival, and two of those games were against two of the best teams in the NFC, and they gave Green Bay a game. Like this is like almost like that wake up call. Like I was telling my brother in law on the way down, there, I was like, you know, Chiefs defense because he was talking about. He's like, wow, you know, against the Chiefs, he's got a chance to keep going what he's doing. I'm like, you know, the Chiefs defense is low key pretty good Mm -hmm. he's like really i was like yeah and no one knows and i'm curious if people are going to start catching on here because the past defense especially has been pretty good the run defense has suddenly become all right they're looking pretty solid back there and the big thing again if someone had said to you you know all right so nine games into the season mahomes gonna have missed almost three games tyree kill is gonna have missed what what he missed three games four games i think he missed four games yeah, four games. Chris Jones is going to miss, and well, he, you know, really like four and three quarters, right? Because of the Jackson. You know, Chris Jones is right. going to miss. Chris Jones is going to miss three and a half games. Sammy Watkins is going to miss two or three games. Eric Fisher is going to miss four or five or six games, however long it's been. You know, Frank yeah, Clark's going to miss week two. Yeah, right. Eric Fisher's been out since week two. Yeah, seven Oak. games. Frank Clark's going to miss two games. Um, you know, Okafor is going to miss a couple games. Fuller's going to miss. And you said all that and be like, what do you think their record is? Like, someone would be like, like, or what would you be happy with? Someone almost to a person, I guarantee you'd be like, you know what? If they came out of that four and five or five and four with a chance down the stretch, I'd be happy. Well, instead, they're six and three, strong hold on the division, and it, they're starting to get some guys back. And that's just huge. So I'm, I'm happy with it. And then on a side note, and this isn't really an inside scoop because anyone who's at Arrowhead would see it. So my wife, who is awesome, she's not like the hugest fan of football. So she finds ways to keep herself entertained during the game. And her way of keeping herself entertained on Sunday was watching Patrick Mahomes. And her comment to me is like, is he hurt? And I'm like, well, why? She's like, because he is jumping around constantly and like pacing back and forth. She's like, he is like a fan on the field. Because, like, she said, like, he had to, like, control himself. Like, he was, like, a bowler. You know how you, like, you know, everyone when they bowls, they kind of, like, squinch their body to the side. Like, no, come on, go to the right, knock that pin down. <laughs> Hit like, all the pins. And everyone does that. Yeah, if you don't do that, you are not human or you're a professional bowler. Because I can't, no one cannot do that. But, I mean, he was just losing his mind out there. And he's jumping around. I mean, during the celebration he was. But it was during the whole game. He was pacing back and forth. That dude wanted to play so bad. Like, you can just see it in him. He just cares so much. I would be stunned unless the doctor's like, yeah, there's kind of been a setback. I'd be stunned if they were able to keep him off the field again. Because he looks fine he looks absolutely fine now 
Is that the same thing as playing professional football? No. But he there's like no noticeable limp, no noticeable struggle to move in any which way. He doesn't even look like he's cautious about jumping around. Like it's not even on his mind as much anymore. So that's fun. Also, it's kind of weird to me. My wife spent an entire awesome football game mostly watching one person, but whatever. You yeah, know? I was gonna, I was not gonna mention that, but it's good that you acknowledged it. And, and but look, yeah. I mean, hey, you know, we we've we've all been there. We've all been there with our uh, significant ladies. Uh, yeah, I mean, Where they just watch everything else. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, <laughs> for. I don't know, Nate. No, I'm just yeah, kidding. yeah, yeah. But like, but it's true. Like, I, I sp- I'm not gonna say a word because I know what's about to happen in about a minute. I, I spent about uh, a good portion of the game too, keeping an eye on where Mahomes was on the sideline and how he was sort of interacting with Matt Moore when the offense wasn't on the field. But I, I mean, the the biggest thing for me was I knew I want to get to Arrowhead as early as I can to just watch everything that Patrick Mahomes does before kickoff during his sort of pregame routine. Um, mm, right. His arm strength is obviously fine. His accuracy is still pinpoint. His his dropbacks were as aggressive as I've seen them, or as you know, game speed like as you can get since he had the injury. Because we've watched him in practice, and it's clear that like he's like being a little gingerly or being cautious. It felt like to for most of yesterday's pregame sort of routine, it it was like he was trying to simulate himself. Like okay. What's my five-step drop? Okay, what's my seven-step drop on a play action where I have to put my knee and my foot in the ground, pivot, and release the ball on time to, you know, insert whatever receiver he was working with? And it all looked it all looked pretty good. And to the point where I was even of the, you know, the case where I've been very much so, like, don't play him till December 1. Like, it's just stupid. I still believe the Chiefs can beat the Tennessee Titans with Matt Moore at quarterback next Sunday. But watching him go through that pregame warm-up with no issues, with no real pain, no real grimace from anything that I've seen, the fact that Rick Burkholder, the team's you know lead uh, sort of doctor on the athletic training staff, was with him the whole time and never said, "Hey, like stop doing that," or "Hey, like come to me," or "Hey, dude, you know how's it feeling?" It all sort of points to like, "Hey, he 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 probably wants to play. Players want to play, and he definitely wants to play." And you could kind of see it on the Fox broadcast how much it was probably eating at him to be like, I mean, Matt's doing a good job, but like, I just want to be out there. I just want to be with my boys. Like, come on, like, we're so close. And then like, and then he let out all this emotion um, to where he was like any other kid in Kansas City, just like jumping around, um, pumping their fists, you know, wants to be in with the boys for the mob. And then everybody's like, what are you doing? Get out of here. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or Tyreek Hill's like, hey. Pat, get out of here, dude. Tyreek's like, hey, hey, man. Hey, man. Dog, dog. Go back over there. Go back over there. <laughs> Me and Harrison Booker, <laughs> no. we going to the stands. But you stay right over there. You uh, you, you, stop <laughs> it. Stop it, Pat. Stop it. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think I think he's going to come back. I mean, again, something would have to occur in practice where, hey, maybe, you know, he's been limited. So I do need to put that out. He's been limited. Andy Reid. Uh, as of Monday, has not sort of suggested that Patrick reps will increase, although I think one sort of assumes that. So if he is a full participant on Wednesday and then he's a full participant on Thursday and there's no real issue in terms of soreness or, you know, how his knee sort of feels or if it swells at all, if none of that happens, if we get to Thursday and he's a full participant for two straight days, I think even the Tennessee Titans would have to say, like, okay, we should go back to tape of Patrick Mahomes because all indications would seem to suggest that he will play on Sunday. I still think it's a little crazy that he may come back in three weeks and that he, you know, obviously will play on a brace and that they still have this game in Mexico City. We're like, I don't know. Is that field okay? Uh, we'll see. Yeah. Hopefully Shakira's not having a concert. <laughs> um, where's Shakira? Yeah. Yeah, where, where's Shakira? I mean, I know she's doing halftime. Is she also doing a concert as Tekka Stadium, y'all? Because I booked all my travel plans to be there. And I would like to go there this year, (laughs) unlike last year. Um, But I think he's coming back and you're right. I mean, shout out to jazz. She has good eyes and she probably notices that. uh, Yeah. Trying to get Andy Reid and Rick Burkholder to prevent Patrick Mahomes on the field next week is going to be fascinating because I'm pretty clear. It's pretty clear that Patrick Mahomes is like, I'm, I'm, I'm so proud of you guys. I'm, I'm, I love you all. You my brothers. We did it. We did it. Look at Maddie over there getting it done. You're two and one, baby. But 
But if you, if I am not in uniform next Sunday in Nashville, I swear to God, like I swear to God, if I am not in uniform, some of y'all ain't gonna be here next year. You know, like, like, like give me, like give me random ultimatums. Uh, so he, he, I think Patrick feels like, hey, Matt's done his job, and now it's it's now time for me to get back to being what I am. Uh, but yeah, so. Um, Josh, this is your moment, and uh, and I'm yeah, just going to seed and give you the floor. Thank you. If you all want to get out of the way real quick, I've got a plan. Clear out. Here's the thing, folks. We Did we have a very good chuckle uh, at the beginning of the show, before the beginning of the show, all, just three friends talking about how secure we are in our masculinity? Yes, we absolutely did. Are there lots of good jokes that I could do in this ad read? Absolutely. Do I have lots of them written down at the moment in front of me? Sure do. But... I'm taking a different strategy because here's what I am going to read. I'm going to read this sentence and then I'm throwing the rest of the copy away. Here's the first sentence. Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. That's the first sentence. And then there's a bunch of like fake excuses. I got a question, folks. Legit question. Why isn't talking about erectile dysfunction easy? It's a medical thing that has to do with something I think we're all pretty much on board with saying is a relatively important part of your body. I know it's important because we have these commercials and whenever we talk about it, everyone either gets real loud or real quiet. Those are the only two options. And so we're going to bring you an option where if you're not where you need to be in terms of all of those very integral parts of your body, Go check out Roman. It's easy to talk about, and you can talk to a real doctor who can prescribe real medication, and it's simple, and it's safe, and it's totally discreet. You can knock all that out, and then you can come back and make jokes about it with all of us immediately after. But go to Roman right now, because with Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED all from the comfort and privacy of your home. The doctor will work with you to find the best treatment plan, and if medication's appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. They're not going to make you wait around. They know. They get it. It took you long enough to give them a call, so now they're going to go ahead and get it to you in a rush because you got stuff to do, I imagine. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet, and getting started is really easy. Just go to GetRoman.com slash time, T-I-M-E, and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be, wait for it, tough to tackle. It's a sports podcast, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a doctor and take care of it. Just go to ro- getroman.com slash time for, for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's getroman.com slash time for a free visit to get started. Getroman.com slash time time and then if we do this again next week we'll make all the jokes then but this one's serious so go do it this week and the next week we'll make all the jokes you guys were very quiet for the longest you've ever been quiet during this podcast do you have something you'd like to share with the class i'm just so happy (laughs) because you have a solution to your problems yes you finally you you know it it. it didn't have to be this difficult Oh, man, did I walk right into that one, huh? That's why Nate's being so quiet. Nate, you son of a gun. (laughs) I am not happy with you right now. He knew I was just going to walk right into a wood chipper there. So, so my, my, uh, my comments are this, my, my, my comment to all of my gentlemen out there is like, handle your business, y'all. Whatever it takes, handle your business. (laughs) Go handle your business. There's, listen, the fact like, oh, I don't know. I'm a grown man, but saying the word penis makes me uncomfortable. That's not an excuse. You're an adult. You have insurance. You have a driver's license. It's the medical Figure turn. Figure out your genitals. Yeah. It's yeah. the medical turn. Take care of your business. Figure look, out your junk. Yeah. I mean, look. I don't. You, you obviously like something <laughs> that life has to offer. Handle your business to go enjoy yes. that more. Oh, it's gone now? Oh, it's gone? I guess that's fine. I guess it'll just be gone permanently because I'm afraid to go to GetRoman.com slash time So because I won't type in that URL because I'm afraid of the targeted ads I'm going to get. Oh, now I'm less of a man. No, you know what makes you less of a man? Not fixing your junk literally. Literally in this instance. Literal junk. What are we doing? Yeah, look, we talk about finding a way to win, right, fellas? We got to find a way to win. Look, it ain't always going to be pretty, okay? you're right. You may fumble the football to start the second half, but you've yeah. got to find a way to yeah. drag your ass across the finish line and get a win. Find a way to get a win. Damn right. Roman is the coordinator who's got the play sheet, who's got the perfect call. Sometimes the we just all play. need to listen to the coach, understand the scheme, execute it, get your medication, 
Go get a win. Handle your business, okay? There's a way to get a win. Not finding a solution is not going to get you on the scoreboard. We all want to get on the scoreboard. All I'm saying is listen to the offensive coordinator, Roman, to get you in the end zone. We all know it, baby. Everybody's trying to get there. That's fine. Just find a way. We got to find a way to get a win, both in life and on the football field. GetRoman.com slash time. So, listen, that's got to go to... Is there a, is there an ad read Hall of Fame? Because that's got to go. I mean... That's got to go. They that's, should raise God. that. They should that's raise excellent. that to the rafters. I honestly believe they should just raise that banner right now. Like, we don't have to wait seven years what? when they bring us all back at halftime. Just raise it up now. That was just like... They got a whole second ad out of it where you do the read. And then, like, you know what, guys? You know what? This is important. Let's talk about this. <laughs> so they got like two ad reads for the price of one. You ready for the segue? Yes. Someone who's not shy about um, his equipment, Chris Jones. Remember him at the Combine? I sure do. Couldn't forget it if I wanted to. I do. I can't. Chris Jones was back, baby. He was back. Yeah, he and, was. And he could not be contained yet again. <laughs> <laughs> he really penetrated through the middle of the field. I shouldn't have said that. No. No, Danielle, no. remove that. No. Remove that. I'm facing away from the microphone. I can't. Okay. That's probably not going to be in. Listen, hey, dear so, listener, if you're hearing my voice right now and you're hearing all of this, it means Danielle's really cool. Here, hold on, Seth, don't say anything. If Danielle's not cool about this today, here's the here's the new segue. <laughs> you may only hear this one. <clears throat> let's get let's GetRoman.com slash GetRoman slash time. <clears throat> Anyway, guys, the defense. <laughs> so, anyway, Seth, you want to talk about Chris Jones, and there's no particular connection. I would love nothing more than to talk about Chris Jones. Uh, he's back, and I personally, I view this season as the Chris Jones redemption tour, which he shouldn't have to be on. But I spend all off season listening to people. I have had more people ask me, what, well, do you think Chris Jones is a good fit in Steve Spagnuolo's defense? Well, I don't know. Do you think Aaron Donald was a good fit in Wade Phillips? Do you, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I guess we should figure it out. You know, <laughs> you know it, 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 to me, it's just so absurd. Is he Aaron Donald? No. Is he one of the best three interior players in the NFL? Yes. He's yeah. right there with Fletcher Cox. And people asking me, oh, well, I don't know if he's that important. He proved it one game back, and he was dominating before he went out. Man, my voice is almost gone, guys. But, I mean, it just drives me crazy, this idea, like, you know what? We don't need great players. You know, do you, do you think that he really makes an impact? Well, I don't know. Let's look. And he not only dominated the game on the field. Go back and watch almost all of the Vikings failed third down conversions or the, the previous second down before that if it set him up for third and long. Chris Jones, Chris Jones, Chris Jones. I mean, the number of times I shouted his name, like, you know, Chris Jones during the game, it was obnoxious. It was obnoxious. And I'm not even sorry. He is the best defensive player the Chiefs have, even when he's clearly still not quite 100%. And not only that, and this is where I get to that top five moment, right? So... If you just were watching the broadcast, you know, they they cut out and the fans were cheering because the, you know, it had been a lost play and, you know, they had gotten to third and 17 at the two minute warning and the Chiefs are going to get the ball back and everyone's psyched, right? Well, then they go to TV break and that TV break, that two minute break was like three full minutes. Like they just kept going. And during that time, and, and you missed most of it, like it showed up on the broadcast a little, there's a little clip I'm writing about Chris Jones as we speak, by the way. And I got just a little clip during that time while everyone else is like getting water and standing around, Chris Jones was walking around losing his mind, like just freaking out and dancing and waving to the crowd and like just, you know, arms in the air and just, and I have never seen the crowd shout during the entire two minute warning. And so that's why if you were watching the game, when you came back, that's why they were already so loud because they were screaming throughout the whole thing because Jones was just freaking out. And it was amazing. Like, you you don't often have, like, those actual player-to-fan connection moments, you know? 
But yeah. that was one of those ones where it's just like, yes, this is it. Like that emotional charge that they need. He provides that. He is a spark plug. Like I think Tyron Matthews is a great leader. I think Frank Clark's a great player. But I think Chris Jones is an emotional spark plug. And I don't know how many other guys they got like that on the defense. At least not. They got guys who are emotional. But unless you are a star, it's tough to be that emotional leader. And he just provided both. And then he follows it up by getting, I mean, just immediately destroying the play. Like that play never had a chance. Yep. And then, like you said, Nate, Kirk Cousins did literally the worst the thing. The worst thing. Done. It's like, <laughs> that, that he really, other than like handing the ball to him. Right. Like this was like, and even then they would have gotten the ball back maybe if he'd run in for the end zone with a little time to score. So it maybe was even worse than that. I mean, just, he he just, he gave them more time. But Jones wrecked that play, and he brought back to the defense that ability to single-handedly, we talked about this a few weeks ago, like or actually last week after the Green Bay game, Chris Jones has the ability to wreck plays three or four times a game. And that doesn't sound like much, but it's, but huge. it's huge. It's huge. And we saw that. Yeah. Just, and so it was so great. It's so good to see him back. If you think the Chiefs should not try to keep Chris Jones long-term, you are just not only wrong, you're like bathing in your wrongness. And I'm sorry, I want to be nice about it. I want to be nice about it, but you are bathing in your wrongness and slathering it all over you. This has been a weird podcast, but that's how wrong you are. Jones is, he he is such a huge part of the defense and it was awesome. So like you said, you're writing about Chris Jones, and that'll be up on The Athletic soon. Nate, if I give you the rest of the defense, if I give you defense non-Chris Jones division, what did you see on Sunday? (laughs) I saw a defense that was disciplined, and that's really all we're kind of asking for if you're a Chiefs fan. It's just like, hey, be disciplined. The two mistakes they had, um, which resulted in touchdowns, and again, they've had these moments where I'm pretty certain that they can play just about – 80% 80% of a game correctly. It's how much of the margin of error is for the defense where they give up these big plays. So the two plays that I'm mentioning that resulted in touchdowns is the first one was the short pass to uh, Abdullah for what resulted in a 16-yard touchdown run where just no one covered the running back, which, again, kind of a problem. Kind of saw it the week before in Green Bay. But I think that was on Morris Claiborne's sort of zone principle where he just – he went with his receiver and didn't realize that, like, well, you still kind of have to respect the flat. The ball goes to the flat. There, there, there ain't nobody there. The second one is that <laughs> Steve Spagnola loves to use a rotation. And that's great because it keeps guys fresh. It gets everybody involved. Everybody has to communicate because you're using so many players so that it, it actually bonds the defense. And I feel like I didn't totally understand that philosophy until we got to this point of the season where it's like, okay. The defense uses about 18 players, and not any, not every NFL defense can say that, where they're like, we really need 18 to 19 guys on defense to make us completely successful because everybody has a different role. The one issue with that, which we saw on the uh, Vikings' last touchdown, which was Kirk Cousins to, I believe, Kyle Rudolph, was there was only 10 men on the field. And if a defense can, God. can understand where, okay, we've got a first down or we're getting closer to the end zone, they want to shuffle men in and out. It's almost like that Peyton Manning thing where it's like, okay, if I know I have you in a in a in a forced situation where you're trying to get some defensive linemen off for more of a pass rush or a linebacker off the field for a safety to sort of cover a tight end, like, you know, Kyle Rudolph, we can quick snap the ball. You have 10 men on the field or even 12, which I think was a penalty that occurred earlier in the game, and we can take advantage of that. So if they tighten up those two things where, hey, Let's make sure we know where all the running backs are on the field. <laughs> and let's make sure we have all 11 men who are communicating at the same time. This defense has the capability to be competitive and maybe even championship caliber. Like, they, they're they not going to be elite, at least not in year one with Steve Spagnuolo. We should all admit that because the linebacker play sort of indicates that. But with Chris Jones being dominant, with Frank Clark, who we assume may come back in the next two weeks, whether that's against Tennessee or Los Angeles, if you get your two best pass rushers back and you got guys like Emmanuel Agba and Tano Passio and, you know, even the young guys in Derek Nadi and, and Colin Saunders who are serviceable. And then you have this back end where all of a sudden, I mean, say what you will, Josh, 
Javarius Ward's like good. Like, like, like he's good. He now. is. He's good. I feel like we've been watching him blossom all season. I'm so proud of him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's just he's good now. Like the ball's thrown to his side. I'm like, oh, well, this this may be a positive for the Chiefs. Like, it's not just a it's not a negative. Yep. So Javarius has been good. Yep. Juan Thornhill's been good. Um, obviously Tyron Matthews the best guy in the back end. Uh, you know, Brashad Breeland. Hey, if you don't notice him. Probably a good thing. Uh, Boris Claiborne, if you don't notice Rashad Fitton, he made he had a bad play, I think, on Sunday. Yeah. And I was like, ah, that's good. I'll take that. I'll take one loss yeah. for Rashad Fitton. Cool. That'll do. Right. And, and so if you don't notice, yeah, guys, that, that's fine. And so you have the front end and the back end to where the defense can all of a sudden be better than I think people are truly understanding it. And I know you want to get into this, Josh, because I think from a national perspective, the it's an un, it's understandable for the for most national you know analysts reporters sort of people to think yes Trey Aikman I'm mentioning you to believe that the season comes down to Patrick Mahomes um but it also I think what is getting lost is that like the Chiefs defense has improved this year to a degree that it never improved to this degree last year and that is that is somewhat great for the team you got to see it develop over time but like maybe NFL coaches themselves are starting to understand there's not as many holes to exploit as there used to be with Bob Sutton or how the team was sort of trying to understand the scheme with Steve Spagnola in weeks two, three, and four. So I got three very quick on, things. Real, I got three fast things, but, and I'm going to kick it over to you. But, One is that we don't have but, a ton of time yeah, to dig yeah. into all the, the places that the defense is gone, but we're gonna maybe we'll hear about it more here in a little while. Uh, the other thing is if they have the the defense coming off the field and back on uh, as a problem on December 8th, I think we're all going to be very, very aware of it because they go to New England on December 8th, yeah. and the Patriots just running hurry up all night feels like exactly what will happen in that game. Um, and for me on the defense, it's it's – it, it will never come down to the to the Chiefs defense. It's it's the Chiefs defense needs to let Patrick Mahomes be the thing that determines where their season goes, and it failed at that last year. And then I also wanted to throw to you, Seth, the reason obviously the Chiefs defense has been better these last couple of weeks is because uh, Patrick Mahomes has been out, right? Oh my gosh! You know, Skip so let's get Bayless said. I feel like just... that's probably true. <laughs> He's a professional. He makes a lot of money. I just Skip Bayless said that fact... you know the Chiefs have really been re- they've really had the fire reignited whenever they've had to do it without Patrick Mahomes. That's probably the, he, the fact. That... I mean, he threw fifty touchdowns last year. Skip. I mean, uh, go go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, but he, well, you know, it's not well, just Skip. I, uh, I, think, where... I think it was Brewski had a similar thing. Uh, Rex Ryan was buying that logic oh, whenever he went God. down. What's Seth? What's wrong? Those are football guys, Seth. Ooh. Oh no! Yes, and and every one of those guys except Skip knows more about football than I do, and it's not even close. But the problem is, um, people are people, okay? And when they have wrongheaded ways of viewing things, it affects the way they view everything. The way that 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 Teddy Bruschi and Rex Ryan view the game, at least based on what they said, and the, what the things they often say. It's not in terms of X's and O's. It's not in terms. It's in terms of like heart and grit and determination and whatever. And so when what they do when they say, "Oh, they won," it must be because their grit was better. They turned their <laughs> grit up to eleven, and it's just like, I mean, it it just it ticks me off because obviously, like I said, Brewski, Ryan, those guys know more about football than I'll ever know times a million. I mean, but. It's it's making a choice. Skip Bayless can lick your can lick the sole of your shoes. But uh, Skip Bayless, I couldn't care less what that dude has to say about football. Except I, I was so triggered by it, I called into a radio station as a non guest. <laughs> like I called in as a fan. Like I am triggered right now, and I need to be heard. It was great. It wasn't but, any radio station. It was it was the best. It was the best Chiefs post game show there it, is, hosted yeah, by one of the people the on the podcast. Best P- Chiefs. Absolutely. The best Chiefs post-game show out there. It was like getting the band back together. Here, Here's the thing. The team has played hard, and that's obviously a great thing. But they also, I mean, you know, this, oh, well, they lost to the Texans, and they lost to the— Yes, the defense did play better. But this idea, well, it's because they care more. That's stupid. That is just an, a flat-out <laughs> dumb way to view the game. And it's just myopic because all it means is you've got this preconceived notion that the biggest thing, eh, it's all about heart. Let me tell you something. If it were all about heart, the the people that would uh, make up NFL rosters would be very different because <laughs> there's also some physical prerequisites and there's yes, also some true. mental prerequisites. And so this idea, well, if, you just, if you just wanted a little more, yes, that stuff does matter. 
obviously, you know, if you got one guy who, but like, you know, it's like, it's like one of my least, these are the types of guys that say, you know, it's not the size of the dog in the fight. It's the size of the fight in the dog. It's like, okay, fine. You take this Chihuahua, which is really mean. I'll take this Rottweiler, who's usually pretty chill, and we'll have him fight to the death and see what happens. Not literally, because that's illegal for a reason. Seth Kaiser pro but dog just, fighting? What? What happened on this show today? Stop it. Yeah. So, but like this idea, that, that paradigm, that way of viewing the game, it's just wrong. And so, yeah, you see all these things and that's where, you, well, you know, if you just have a worse quarterback, the defense will rally around him. What? Like, what's the theory behind this? So maybe the Patriots should have pulled Tom Brady in that second half against the Ravens. Cause then, you Good know, call. maybe what the, you know what the Ravens should have done when they played the Chiefs? They should have pulled Lamar Jackson in the fourth quarter and the defense would have rallied around. I mean, that's stupid. It's so stupid. You know, what's not stupid though? Steve Spagnolo, And let me explain why. Yes, do it. See, I was trying to... Thank you. So, you know, you talk about fewer weaknesses to exploit. Well, everyone freaked out about running backs this last week. Um, did you guys see the defense shift when they put... And when they when they had the running back motion yeah. to the side, mm-hmm. when they had Cook or Abdullah yeah. or whoever? A couple it, of multiple times, times oh, noticed Jordan it wasn't, Lucas is doing this, huh? Okay. Yep, it wasn't a linebacker following him out there anymore. It was the entire defense shifting over, which, yes, mm-hmm. can leave you with a, with, a, with a linebacker against a tight end at times, but it's just an entirely different type of speed matchup difference. And so that's the biggest thing Spagnolo's done this year. He's tinkered. He is willing to tinker and tinker. Okay, well, this happened. Well, then if I do this, that'll help. If I do this, that'll help. And that's why you've got a defense. I'm curious what their DVOA is against the pass now because they've been good. So I'm happy. All we needed last year was a defense that doesn't stink. And guess what? The defense doesn't stink. And the, and the boys are starting to get healthy again on offense. And we don't have a ton of time for this now because, I don't know, because we're living in, a, in the upside down. But, like, we should probably talk about the Chiefs' offense for a second because it also didn't stink against the Vikings. Like, uh, we touched on it earlier. I mean, there were ups and downs. There were there were great moments, and there were moments where you went like, oh, yeah, Matt Moore really needs to hold on to the football. <laughs> and they scored two touchdowns and four field goals. Like, listen, man, it wasn't a perfect offensive day. But, Nate, if you had to summarize it in a minute or two, what it, what were you left impressed by offensively in the game? Yeah, um, it was the fact that there was no turnovers on offense. The only turnover came on special teams. So that, that's a positive. The fact that Matt mm-hmm. Moore is getting more decisive with the football, he's, he's just making the right reads. And, and that's half the battle for a quarterback. And he's now gotten to a point where Patrick has been, where it's just like, if Tyreek Hill is in a one-on-one situation, just throw it up there. Because more times than not, Tyreek Hill will get the ball – and I, I appreciate that Andy Reid gave Matt Moore more shots downfield. It, it was clear that, like, okay, we saw what you could do against Green Bay, and we understand that. Now let's adjust to where if our offensive line just holds it a little bit longer, I'm going to give you more plays that are designed for you to take shots. And so um, much of the offense was really available to Matt Moore, and I felt like that was the first time that was really the case where it's like, okay, about 85% of what's really in the Chiefs' playbook on offense was given to Matt Moore yesterday against the Vikings. And he executed it pretty well. He was good with the football. And then when your offensive line and your running back really need to to just get you out of a situation, and this is going back to the whole, this is complimentary football at its finest, is, okay, the Vikings have at least flipped the territory to where now you have the ball, I think the one or the two-yard line, and now it's time for you to go down the field and find a way. And for, you know, Cam Irving, Mitchell Schwartz, Austin Ryder, Andrew Wiley, and uh, Martinez Rankin, for them to literally mush the Vikings for Damian Williams to just run down the field for a 91-yard touchdown run, like, Matt Moore doesn't have to do it all on his own. That's what's required of you when you're backup quarterbacks in the game. Like, don't put the, don't put the burden so much on his shoulders – and so it was at that pivotal moment, um, Damian Williams having his breakout sort of performance of the season, understanding what was asked of him. The Chiefs sort of rode the hot hand. Um, we didn't see LeSean McCoy after the first quarter. I think that was also done intentionally. And he gave Damian Williams an opportunity, that being Andy Reid. And Damian Williams took, took, it, took advantage of his moment, made a great cut, just a great cut. And... Um, 
the safety for the Minnesota Vikings, I don't even want to say his name because he has a family, but he fell to his knees. And at that point, the play <laughs> should have been over. Stop everything. An act of reverence. Put six points on the board. <laughs> Damien, you ain't even got to run half the field, dog. He's on his <laughs> knees. Um, he made a cut where the man fell to his knees. And, yeah, the play's over at that point, y'all. We we could just, I mean, cool, because, like, we got the next-gen stats that showed Tyreek Hill is, yes, fast. But, at that point, when a guy's on his knees, just put two, just put six points up on the scoreboard. So I just want to point that out. Like yep. Matt Moore was great, but the offensive line and the running back did their job, and um, that was not the case. You know, these last couple weeks when Matt Moore sort of felt like, okay, I, I have to do so much on third down to where, hey, you need a chunk yardage in the run game. You need a you need a breakout play or two when your backups on the field, and uh, thankfully they got that. And is that now? a case to be made moving towards Tennessee where, okay, Damian Williams, it's now your job again. Like, until you screw up, then we will give maybe the job back to LaShawn McCoy. Right. But if you're healthy and you have the speed that LaShawn McCoy d- doesn't have that top in speed yet, um, let's see how long this sort of this sort of streak can last for Damian Williams. Seth, same same lob offensively. Does anything other, anything other than the stuff that Nate touched on there stand out to you in this game? Um. You know, Watkins was a pretty solid contributor. He made some really tough catches. Um, That was really important. Him being back, you know, Watkins, I don't think his signing has worked out quite the way the Chiefs thought it would, if I were to guess. Mm -hmm. But it's important to have a guy that can snatch the ball out of the air and make some tough catches. Travis Kelsey was a monster. He made some really tough catches, like contested-wise. You know, we talked about this last week. And the Chiefs receiving group is just really really good and I and so I mean it it was it was impressive to watch what they have to work with the funny thing is like watching this group with Matt Moore under Andy Reid I think if Matt Moore played like a full season under Andy Reid with this group I think the dude (laughs) he'd go to the I I think he'd go to the Pro Bowl and get and get himself the bag I really think he would I think he'd get himself a 20 million dollar year contract because Andy Reid is a wizard and these skill position players are dangerous um, just again, everyone's getting healthy again. If once Mahomes and Fisher are back, you're gonna have a healthy offense for the first time since the first quarter against Jacksonville. And I don't know if people remember just how badly they were slicing them up. And so I'm excited. Me too. Also, Travis Kelsey continuing to have 18 receptions for 86 yards every single week is kind of wild. Like <laughs> I don't like we didn't mention his name until just now cuz it was he was 7 for 62. Yeah. And he's always 7 for 62. Like even in the losses, he's pretty much been 7 for 6. I mean, against the Packers, pardon me, he was 4 for 63. Like that's just that's what he's been this year, but it it's been in these huge moments even going back to to when Mahomes just throwing the ball to him. Uh I like that though as the place to dismount uh, on that one. Seth, uh, I'm excited. I'm excited for a theoretically completely healthy offense to come back together if not this week soon Nate you said you expect to see Mahomes coming back this week is that are you rooting for that like are you I guess I should ask if you're if you think that Chiefs fans should be nervous about the return well, of Patrick yeah Mahomes. well you should you should always be nervous when this dude returns because uh they hit you in football and and getting hit hurts sometimes yeah. and I'm 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 still concerned about like if they're, you know, not that I'm trying to speak this into existence, but you're always concerned with a quarterback that, like, hey, we're all one snap away, and if an offensive lineman has a mistake yeah. or if a if a blitz pickup isn't isn't there, we assume Mahomes can't scramble the way he did before. Um, you just won't know. Like, I just need to see him get hit maybe once or twice. Not that I'm asking yeah. for that, but we won't know the full extent of like what he is capable of doing once he returns until he gets hit. Outside of that, like if you're a Chiefs fan, you should feel confident that no matter who is at quarterback on Sunday, the Chiefs should be favored. Whether it's Matt Moore, hell, even yes. if it's Chad Henney, yes, um, they should be favored. It's just yes. a matter of if, like if it's Kyle Shermer, if they call him back up, the Chiefs sure, should be favored he, he can the be Ryan Tannehill. Who's to say? Uh, <laughs> so, yes. so yes. like there's there, there's there's optimism now. I think uh, again we'll, we'll come back Friday and I'll give a, a, a more thorough update. Hopefully. Uh, from what I've seen in practice and sort of the people I've talked to, but like all indications point that like, yeah, he really wants to come back in Tennessee. It's probably expected unless something, you know, unforeseen happens during practice this week where he has a setback. But should you feel 
good about it? Yes, he is the MVP. But you won't really know until we have a full game of tape where we're like, okay, he can do this, he can't do that. You know, we just you just don't really know. And and I think when I looked at Matthew Stafford's game log when he had his dislocated kneecap, the stats weren't too bad. They were pretty similar. But again, it, it, it's hard to ask Patrick Mahomes to be what he was last year based in this current circumstances because, hey, his knee was, like, dislocated, and they popped it back in. And it's yeah. wild to me that he's probably going to play three weeks after it. If you want to get all the updates on uh, what Andy Reid is saying about Patrick Mahomes and what, what Nate can learn back behind the scenes, you can follow him on Twitter at ByNateTaylor. You can get the uh, the heads up on all of Seth's film reviews, get the little Twitter clips at real MN Chiefs fan, you can find out what famous movie trivia I didn't know this week on Twitter at JB Briscoe. You can also tweet about the show using the hashtag TimeZars. I'm not going to say what it was because I want people to go follow me. Also, if you want the Vikings perspective on this last week, go check out Straight Cash. Um, I can only imagine what the, the feeling is for a Vikings team that had the Chiefs in a very winnable spot, made some poor decisions, and couldn't beat Matt Moore. Uh, really deflating for a team that had a really, really good October. But that's it. That's the show for us here today. Uh, Nate, get us out of here. This is this whole show has had a weird energy. You know what I'm gonna say, y'all, fellas. <laughs> Handle your business. Handle it. <laughs>